What's up, everyone? We're here for another episode of Locked On Bucks as we start to move towards Bucks and Nets on Thursday night. But I can't move forward without still looking back at this Giannis performance against Philly. We've got a bunch of numbers. We're going to talk Giannis from the top. Uh, This guy just continues to get better. And we know this. If you've watched Giannis since the start of his career, you know he continues to get better. But where does it end with this guy? He just continues to add things to his game. We're going to discuss that. Uh, We are, of course, as we have every single night for the last few weeks, going to discuss where the East is at. We had a couple of interesting uh, results from tonight's games. And then we'll talk about Bucks and Nets, which is going to be a big game. Potentially a historic game for Giannis if he can drop 40 points. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. And joining me for the second time this week, absolute workhorse from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia. Uh, and we're here to talk about the Bucks. We're here to talk about Giannis. And as always, we thank you for making Lockdown Bucks your first listen or first watch of every single day. Uh, I know I show a lot of love to the YouTube viewers just because it's new. We've only been doing YouTube for a few months. We're up to 2.7 subscribers last time I saw Plenty of people watching the post-game show from the Sixers game. If you didn't see that or hear that, go back and watch or listen to that one. But we thank you for your support either way. And by the way, if you haven't subscribed yet to YouTube, jump on. Even if you're only watching one a week and you're listening on the audio podcast, hit subscribe. Uh, That helps us out. There's no doubt about that. But Justin, like I said, you're a workhorse. And i tell you who else is a workhorse. That's Giannis. And look, I haven't hidden the fact that there's been times this season where I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm in the slumber like the Milwaukee Bucks right now with this regular season. How do you get yourself up for every single, how do you get yourself up to podcast after every regular season games when they've just won the title? But this morning I woke up, uh, probably not a great habit, but like most people, you pick up your phone, you see what's going on. I'm on Twitter. And I came across this highlights package, which was from uh, Swish Cultures, I believe, which does some videos, does some photography, all these types of things. And it was just a highlight package of this Giannis performance versus Philadelphia. And just watching, I mean, we all watched the game. We discussed it last night. But I just want to talk about Giannis specifically and the variety of ways that he scored in this game. If you watch this 50-second clip, he literally did absolutely everything. There's nothing that he didn't do in this game in ways that he scored the ball. And we know how dominant he's been. But just to see a package like that, two years ago, you're looking at a package like that and it's from 30 games. And they're like, look at this. Giannis's game is really growing. He can do this. He can do that. He did it in one game. And it's not even that uncommon anymore. This guy is ridiculous. And I was pumped watching the highlights from this game yesterday because it was a special performance. Um. Yeah, this was like the perfect game for Giannis where you look at where his shots were coming from. He he took, what, I think three threes in the game. His shot chart, there was a lot of the mid-range, and I know a lot of people have, have – uh, there's been more and more that has been 
written about and, and a lot on Twitter too about Giannis's efficiency in the mid range and how it compares to other guys that have been pretty good in that area for a couple of years. And it's kind of under the radar. And oh, by the way, Giannis is pretty comfortable in the mid range and the long mid range and with that turnaround. And we saw a lot of that against the uh, Sixers, but uh, his ability to finish at the rim, I, I forget um, what player they were discussing, but I was listening to one of the, the uh, basketball shows that I listen to each morning and uh, it might've been Jason Tatum where they talked about the differences between guys that it takes a little bit of time where you're a good player, but then you, you have to go to the next level and you have to put in the work. And, and Kobe Bryant was certainly one of those guys that figured it out and all right, I can do this now, but I got to add more things to my game. And you notice the difference, especially when you're around it and, and you watch it as much as we do, you notice the difference between those players and the players that know what they're good at and they keep doing that. Giannis is, is clearly in the other category, but yes. games like uh, yesterday against the Sixers are, are where you point to. And you say, look, two years ago, as, as much as we didn't want to hear it at the time, Giannis wasn't good enough. And he was a, he was a flawed player where he had the ability to attack the basket and, and score around the rim and in the paint with ease. But if you went against a good defense and if you went against teams that had enough size, they could figure out how to slow him down and keep him away from the basket and, you know, make him not the same guy, the final five minutes of the game or, or even further out. And I mean, now to see Giannis against the Raptors in the conference finals, Giannis in the second round against the heat to what we saw in the last two rounds last year, or at least in the net series in the finals and what we've seen throughout the regular season, like it is amazing how much he has grown as a player and everything he's added to his game uh, from that level to already be an MVP and as dominant as he was, but now say, I got to keep getting better and I got to round out my game to where he is fully in the conversation of, I think even last year you would have the conversation of the best player in the world. And we all thought it was Giannis after game six of the finals where he scored 50 points. But even then, I, I think you still said, all right, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. This was great, but you know, if I have one game to win, I think everybody in Wisconsin is going to take Giannis, but I don't know. Would I take somebody else? What he's done this year and, and how we've seen the holes in his game have been plugged and he's added everything he has, it, it's it's him or Kevin Durant are clearly the two best players. Kevin Durant's still underrated defensively. Giannis is a better defender than, than Durant, but those are clearly the two best guys that you're saying – in terms of their scoring ability, they're guaranteed 30 points a night, basically, and their two-way play. These are the two best players in the league. And with Giannis, it's, well, I'm going to have him longer, and uh, and he can do more on the defensive end, and that may give him the edge. But it's amazing to see what he's done and how he's continued to grow, even from an MVP to become now an all-time great. And people that have listened to this podcast for a while, and certainly people that listened to yesterday's post-game show will know that I've got Nikola Jokic right up there as well. Uh, he dominates the game in a different way, and it's not as visible as the physical, overwhelming domination that Giannis he's, provides. He's the cerebral dominant guy. It is, and it's and it's sometimes... I, I don't want to say it's harder to appreciate because everyone can see the passing and all the stuff that Jokic does, but he's just a very, very unique player. Uh, Giannis now is actually starting to transform into a guy that is more and we'll see where it gets to with his shooting but the way that again that he scored yesterday with the turnarounds from from both shoulders with the with the pull-up jump shots with the three-point shot in transition 
This is more the traditional. Now, of course, he's never going to be the shooter. Should I say never? No, I'll say never. He's never going to be the shooter that Kevin Durant is. And I think we're all okay with that. But he brings a lot to the table that Kevin Durant doesn't. But when you look at that highlight package, you're like, okay, that's what Kevin Durant does. So he's actually now starting. He's got the physical stuff. He's been dominating for years and years and years. Now he's adding the more traditional, what we would call a modern-day superstar element to his game, that end-of-clock stuff. Frank's been talking about it a lot through the season that Giannis has been really looking for his jump shot in fourth quarters in clutch moments. He's been looking for that kill shot with the jump shot. Now, I think we've described that as uh, some of those shots as as glamour shots. They look great. Is it necessarily the highest percentage shot for Giannis uh, through, uh, right now in his game? Probably not. But the, as you pointed to, the difference between him and most other superstars is that he's not, he doesn't want to just stick to what he's comfortable with. He's fine going out there and missing a shot. And if he misses a shot, then he's going to continue working at it until he doesn't. There was a great thread on Twitter, and I, I don't have it up, but I'm sure you would have seen it, Justin. I'm sure a lot of uh, our listeners and viewers have seen as well regarding Giannis and the jump shot and that, that sort of step to the left, pull up jump shot, knock it down. And I didn't think about the sequence of the move, so this thread was more thoughtful than what was in my head. But when I was watching the game yesterday, I definitely thought about the discussion that we had after Giannis missed that game-winning opportunity, and there was a lot of, I I guess, frustration or questions. Why would Giannis be the guy to take that shot towards the end of the game? I don't think for a second that Giannis ever thought in his head, why was our guy to take that shot? Because he probably believed that he should be taking that shot. And he probably believed that at some point in his career, that's going to be a relatively good shot for him to take. Uh, And we've seen it that he knocked it down yesterday. I think he's hit big shots before late in games, but I do think that yesterday was probably the first time we saw multiple times in big situations where he just stepped up, knocked it down. And he's just like, Hey, this is, this is what I'm here to do. This is what I'm going to do. Well, I, I think what was even kind of somewhat telling, but we, we've seen him in the spot before, and I don't remember which game it was in the playoffs last year. Um, it may have been in the finals, but there was one of the games where the Bucks were, were winning and you, you kind of kept passing the ball around. It gets in the hands of Giannis, and he found Chris immediately, and Chris hits the two free throws to extend the lead. Yesterday, the same thing happened, and Chris Middleton was wide open at yeah. half court, and Giannis kept it yeah. and you know kept going and, and waited to get fouled. And even his reaction when he missed one of those free throws and how visibly upset he was, I mean, even that shows you different stages and how more confident he's gotten at the free throw line too, which the turnaround game and the mid-range game, all of that is, is nice. And, and he, you know, to get to that next level, you do need to develop that game because – you need that type of shot in the playoffs, as we've seen the last you know, couple of years and runs the Bucks have gone on. Um, but to me, the free throws were always just as important as, as that. They were more important than the threes. And they may be the most important because we know how defenses work in this league. And if you have a weak spot, teams are going to find it. And if Giannis is a 60% free throw shooter, as great as he is offensively, he's getting fouled every single time he touches the ball in the, in the final two minutes of the game. So, for him to even make that adjustment and just we talked about his offensive growth, but the free throws, it's it feels like a light year's difference from where it was last year and the last two years for that matter, even though he's only about 10% better at the line, somewhere around there. But it just feels like it's much, much different from him. And the way he reacted to missing a free throw, where in the past you could see he would kind of tighten up and he would start to look a little uncomfortable but he wasn't going to shy away from going to the line. 
But how he was upset with missing that told me he expects to make those now every time he goes to the free throw line. When you do what he did in game six of the NBA finals from the free throw line, how can you ever justify in your own mind ever missing the free throw again? <laughs> I mean, he must just be thinking, I did this under the most pressure I could have possibly been under. How can I How can I miss a free throw in a regulation, regular season game? But anyway, I got more on Giannis in a second. And we did have someone ask, we'll talk about NBA Top Shot. I did have someone ask yesterday on Twitter, would I put the block as an NBA Top Shot uh, moment? I think so. I think that there would be people that would be interested in having that highlight because that is one of one of the highlights from Giannis that we'll be talking about for a long time. An NBA top shot is the future of what being an NBA fan looks like. It's part trading cards, part stock market, part fantasy sports with a built-in loyalty program. NBA top shot has evolved trading cards and made it easy to buy, sell, and trade by removing the hassle of card grading, shoe boxes, and binders. I had a binder of uh, Pokemon cards back when I was in high school, but their 24-7 peer-to-peer marketplace lets you scroll through all of your favorite players and teams. Once you find the moment you've been looking for, you can buy it in a couple of clicks. Uh, people will say, why would you buy something that you can watch on YouTube or for free? And I tell those people that it's not about watching a highlight. It's about having ownership in the stock market of NBA's greatest moments. If you sign up for Top Shot today, the best way to start is getting yourself a starter pack. You can pull a moment of a superstar like LeBron or KD or star rookies like Kate Cunningham or Evan Mobley for nine bucks. Head over to lockedon.nbatopshot.com to start building your collection today. Uh, make sure you check out the Locked On Now podcast. Uh, some interesting games tonight. You'll be able to get recaps from around the league. Boston and Miami was one game that I think people will have interest in for sure. So check out the Locked On Now podcast. Uh, I've got a friend who loves playing NBA 2K to the point where he's got a bit of a problem. Or he used to have a problem. I think that he's gotten over the addiction. But he used to play the the My Player um, whatever version of the game and he would have his own yeah. player and he would send us a screenshot and his players averaging 60 points 35 rebounds 22 assists and you know just absurd numbers like this and i was thinking about Giannis today i think Giannis might be the my player of the nba he's always improving every year he improves he brings something new to the table he acquires new skills and i was looking at his shooting percentages and we mentioned them but just to put them into context his, his mid-range is up to 44%. It was at 38% last year. His free throw percentage has jumped from 68 to 72. His scoring has gone up. Now, last year was the first year in his career that the scoring actually went down, the scoring average per game, that is. Now he's up to 29.9, so we think that you know he's a pretty good chance to get to 30 points per game, certainly Frank's hoping. So I believe it's 29.88 right now. His rebounding has gone up. His assists are about the same. His three-point percentage is fascinating. This is We're just at a weird point in the season. His three-point percentage hasn't necessarily gone anywhere. It's basically exactly the same to the point where last year in the regular season, he was 67 for 221 from three. 67 for 221. This year, he's 68 for 226. <laughs> it's almost identical. I mean, I... I Again, he's improved everywhere else. And we do think that as you evolve your shooting, his free throw improves, his mid-range improves, and you think that his three-point percentage has a decent chance of improving in coming years. So that's not its not really relevant to anything. I just think it's crazy that he's virtually exactly the same from the three-point line right now. But do you think it's a fair call to say that uh, people will say it's video game-like? 
that Giannis is potentially actually just a 2K player in real life? Uh, well, I think uh, the most 2K player that there is right now would probably have to be Jose Alvarado. If oh, my good. By the way, before you get back here. to Giannis, and Jose Alvarado, if everyone doesn't know or some people don't know, which fair enough if you haven't quite caught up on this, but he plays for the New Orleans Pelicans. And he always, like, hides near the bench. And then when a player inbounds the ball, he'll sneak around and steal the ball from him from behind. Incredibly annoying, but I love it. What, how do you yeah. feel about this? I mean, it's great. Uh, it's great. A great value contract as well for the Pelicans. Yes. Uh, I'm sure they've broken it down on the lockdown Pelicans. But, yeah, I mean, Jose Alvarado, the first time I saw him, you thought, what, what is going on here? Like, this is the player I would expect to see for the Thunder or a team like that. Uh, what Giannis is doing is boy i don't know like almost nikola Jokic at times seems like more of the video game uh like i got 15 assists with my center like back in the day when you would play 2k or nba live and just try to hunt triple doubles and you would have ben wallace dishing out 20 assists Uh, like that's up there but but certainly Giannis too he's the most fun to play with on 2k he or steph curry um but yeah i mean he is like a, a video game come to life with those numbers it's the the same amount of games or one more game that he played compared to last year in the 72 game schedule. And I mean, it's just amazing to see how the numbers have continued to climb. And, and we were kind of talking about it before, but the first um, what duration of the season, I mean, you had a month where Steph Curry was, was in the MVP discussion and then he kind of started to cool off after he broke the three point record. But it's always been Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic were the constants. And, you know, I had on one of the shows we did, I think it was around the midpoint of January, somebody pointed out, why is nobody mentioning Giannis too? Like his numbers are, are just as good. And I think this team is going to be a lot better in the second half. And if that happens, he's got a really strong case at the MVP. And at the time you thought, yeah, I mean, he, he's he's had his, that it's, it's probably going to be a couple of years before Giannis wins it again, when it's just kind of a, Hey, this guy's still good. We should recognize that. Um, but like now in hindsight, you look at everything. And, and as we talked about too, the game against the Sixers is, is, is what you present to the Academy of, okay, uh, here's the scene I would like you to take into consideration for best actor. Here's why I'm the MVP that I, he was clearly the best player on the floor. He played like the best player in the league. Joel Embiid's comments too, about how, you know, he, he Giannis was great, but, he really went to work when I was off the floor and as Frank pointed out, well, I mean, yeah, he, he did pick apart Paul Millsap as it seems like everybody has this year, but Giannis was pretty good when you were on the floor as well, but it just the two way play and Embiid is great defensively as well. Giannis can obviously cover some more ground and can handle some perimeter players. And, you know, the sequence as well, he, he got caught on James Harden a couple of times both of those guys seem to have a little bit extra in the tank whenever they match up against each other. Um, but the sequence, I think it was Maxi in the fourth quarter that he got matched up on him and stayed with him and forced that rush shot and contested it. And, and it obviously didn't fall. I mean, it's stuff like that where you see, man, this guy really can do everything and he's starting to get a little bit. It's probably too little too late now, but, starting to get a little more attention there. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's in that conversation with, I think, Nikola Jokic. And I think at this point, I think he's past Joel Embiid. It's been great what Embiid has done, but Giannis has been more impressive to me. 
I think it's a two-man race. Uh, we kind of discussed that yesterday. Uh, and I, I do think... I spent most of the season thinking that Giannis wouldn't be able to get the votes again because of the fatigue, because of the fact that he's already won a couple. When you do elevate a guy to a three-time MVP, you're putting them into a different bracket and people do take that seriously. Historically, you can argue whether that's fair or not. That's how I get... The, I don't have a vote, yeah. but that's how I get the feeling that people look at it. But I will say... Now that I believe it's down to a two-man race with Embiid and Giannis, I'm kind of turning where I think, okay. I with think Embiid Giannis, and Giannis or Jokic? I, sorry, Giannis. Jokic and Giannis. With Jokic and Giannis, now that I think that those are the two guys, I do think Giannis can win it because I think out of those two guys, he's going to have the favor of the voters and they'll look back at last year's postseason and everything he done. So I think he's right back in it. And I think he, for the first time this year, I'm thinking that Giannis can win the MVP. And where it's going to be interesting now it, it's going to be tough and i think what denver's done recently i mean they, they've they played a little bit better of late um it's still gonna be tough for the timberwolves especially with their loss uh and they've kind of fallen back to earth a little bit here but when they were at the the, the streak they were on it would have really opened the door if the Nuggets were still around playing around 500 and the Timberwolves were on that hot streak and eventually caught them. Um, but now you're seeing the Timberwolves and Jazz struggle. That's helped the the Nuggets. So my point being, if Denver would have dropped into the play-in tournament, if you're telling me, you know, well, this team won 48 games versus 49, so he should be penalized, that's ridiculous. But it is, it's still something voters look at of, well, if he's the MVP, why is his team in the play-in tournament? So uh, that was something I think that would have helped Giannis. I think, and we kind of mentioned this earlier, I think when you look at the results that have come out for these straw polls, I agree with you that that Embiid is not going to win the MVP. That he's, hey, we should recognize what Joel Embiid has done. It's It's been a nice story. It's impressive. He's gotten better. And, you know, Philadelphia didn't have a great supporting cast early on. Guys did play better. So we should recognize that, but he's not going to win the MVP. I think a lot of voters are kind of have been beaten over the head with, you don't understand how good Nikola Jokic has been. And now they're kind of, I feel like I have to vote for him now. And Giannis is that dark horse that's emerging. What you pointed out too with, he does that against the Sixers. It's a national game against the Nets. If you do something like that again, it's a national game on Sunday against the Mavericks and Luka Doncic, which will have a lot of appeal, and, and Jason Kidd back in Milwaukee. And uh, the big matchup against the Celtics, I think prior to last night, at least in the Eastern Conference, the three biggest games left this season were the Bucks and the Sixers. Uh, the Heat and the Celtics, who played tonight, was another big one. And the Bucks and the Celtics were probably the three huge remaining games in the Eastern Conference. And Giannis is going to be featured, at least we think, in two of those three games. So if he does stuff like he did last night, and not that he has to score 40 with you know close to 20 rebounds, but if he makes those plays on both ends of the floor and the Bucs win, well, if the Bucs all of a sudden finish second or first in the Eastern Conference and Giannis is among the scoring leaders and maybe the scoring leader and putting up comparable numbers and making an impact defensively, it is going to be really hard not to justify him being the MVP over Nikola Jokic. And especially if you look at the scoring title for importance, I don't think this is going to happen, but I think it's 58 games that you need to play in to qualify. So LeBron James needs to play in, I think, four more games this season. I would assume he will, but 
with that ankle injury and with LeBron himself saying it's really bad, it is worth monitoring that, hey, LeBron's probably going to score more points than those two, but he might not qualify for the scoring title. It wouldn't be like LeBron to be a little dramatic about things, would it, Justin? We wouldn't. Uh, that wouldn't shock well, anyone. I mean, look at what the Lakers have done, too. I That's the interesting part is maybe he gets to like 57 games and the Lakers just keep losing and the Spurs are all of a sudden a couple of games ahead of them where they realize it ain't happening, so I'm just going to shut things down. We will see, but if you want to check out the MVP odds and also – the odds and lines and props and everything you can get for this Bucks and Nets game, which we're about to get into here, uh, then you can do that at betonline.net because uh, after months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four, and you've got to check out the Final Four odds as well. Uh, the national championship coming up this week, betonline.net is your number one source for all the betting needs and sports info from the latest odds contests and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews. For all the leagues this season and it's not just basketball uh, you can get uh, all the different sports let's see the national team for uh u.s soccer did something today shout out to you guys welcome to welcome to the real world going to get into the world cup or trying to get to the world cup like football soccer giants like australia but anyway you can find all the live betting and your favorite vegas casino games at betonline.net as well head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action that's bet online where the game. All right, Bucks and Nets coming up here again. That uh, you know will have some implications in the standings, of course. Uh, first of all, in a yes or no question, is Giannis scoring at least thirty nine points here and making history at Barclays Center in Brooklyn for all the Milwaukee fans mm. that are heading to the arena? Ooh, uh, oh, yeah, so 39 would tie. Um, yes. No. And the, so he, he's going to, to break the record at home. The question is, is it going to be Friday or Sunday? Because I, I, we still don't know how, how you're going to treat this back-to-back. I think it's, it's – I feel pretty confident in saying the back-to-back they have next week, which is another Thursday, Friday – he's not playing in both of those games and the fine, the second and third to last games of the season. Um, He's not going to get to 39 or 40 to tie or break in Brooklyn tonight. Um, But I think he's getting 30 again. So it's, it's going to need, it'll be to the point where the next game he plays, it's going to be at home and he's going to need seven or or six points to become the all-time leading scorer. So it's going to happen in the first quarter. So the other thing that's really interesting for me heading into this game is the uh, lineup stuff. So uh, we know that obviously they made a starting lineup change in the game against Philadelphia. Wesley Matthews came in. Uh, Frank and myself discussed the idea of that just being the norm from now on and will they stick with that moving forward. Now, I think the one thing that makes this interesting is the fact that the Nets are a little bit smaller. If they have Seth Curry uh, starting at the two, then it's like, okay, uh, do you go back to Grayson Allen? I, I don't know whether they're going to do that. Do they just stick with the bigger lineup or the bigger, stronger guard in West Matthews? We've seen him, you know, chase Steph Curry off the ball around, and and maybe Bud puts Wes in that decision in that situation. I don't know. How do you feel about this? Um, yeah, I I kind of felt the same way after the game, or like once we saw that that Wesley Matthews was going to start at first, you're like, oh, okay. 
I guess they're doing this because of the, you know, the way that Wes has defended James Harden in the past. But then kind of was like, you know, we kind of talked about the Bobby thing earlier in the year, too, of, well, do you consider starting surge? And that'll that'll kind of juice the bench scoring. And, and I think it's the same with Grayson Allen, where he doesn't seem to be affected or impacted by coming off the bench or starting. And he frankly, he's going to get more offensive opportunities coming off the bench than he would playing with that group. The the benefit is if you play alongside Giannis, you're going to get the open looks that he has from the outside. But, you know, we've seen Grayson being able to do more than just shoot. So I think he would be a pretty effective bench scorer for the team. And, you know, just knowing how much Bud loves offense and, or defense, excuse me, um, and Wesley Matthews and George Hill specifically and what they bring, I do kind of think that this is going to be the starting lineup moving forward, especially since you don't want to keep jumping back and forth. And, and Bud himself has talked about that, that you don't want to have, unless there's injuries coming into play, what they went through in November and December and, and parts of February, where it's it's a different lineup every three games. So I do think, and, and he's, I think, used the exact words too, you like to find what works and stick with it. I think that means Wesley Matthews is going to be starting in the backcourt next to Drew from here on out. And the timing wasn't lost on me for bringing Wes Matthews into the starting lineup. We saw earlier in the season, he had some time on Kevin Durant as well and also did a decent job. So uh, I think that, you know, regardless of how the listeners feel about it, I know Wesley Matthews can be a, a bit of a, a guy that fans either like or they don't like so much. Uh, but he has been versatile in terms of guarding the smaller guys, guarding the bigger guys. And I don't think it's a coincidence that West came in. So my bet would be that he stays in the lineup. My bet would be that he probably starts guarding Kevin Durant. That's that's probably yeah. how I see this playing out. Um, and then they can shuffle things around. I mean, we saw last night that, again, we discussed Matisse Steibel, but is there a guy, is, is Giannis on Bruce Brown the option? Because they feel like they can leave him uh, out there and not have to worry too much about him. I'll be curious to see the matchups, but... Uh, I, I, if I had to guess, I, I think you got Drew on Kyrie, uh, Chris Milton chasing around Seth Curry as he yeah, has Duncan yeah. Robertson in the past. Giannis is trying to ignore Bruce Brown and be the Roma. Wesley Matthews on KD. I, I think that's the way it's going to play out. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly how I see it too. In, in both teams, you know, the initial injury report that came out earlier tonight, there's there's no issues. The Bucks, it's it's Giannis that's listed, but he's probable once again and. For the uh, Nets, it's it's just Ben Simmons is out in terms of their regulars and, and Joe Harris. So it, it's going to be two straight games against two teams that have been playing pretty well, and you're going to see the regulars. You're, you're going to see all the stars in the game. So it's going to feel like a playoff game once again. And, you know, the rotation that we saw too, not just starting Wesley Matthews, but the minutes that we saw from everybody that played in the game, it, it – felt like a playoff game and, and what you can expect to see. I think the biggest difference would be Pat Connaughton played a little under 20 minutes. I would anticipate that's going to be 25 plus closer to 30 in the postseason. But the way everything else was handled, Serge Ibaka was kind of the insurance when, when Brooke ran into foul trouble. I think that's his role with this team. Grayson Allen, 25 minutes, probably going to be closer to 20 in the playoffs, maybe less, but Bobby Portis, what you saw from him and George Hill, I think that's what you expect to see in the playoffs. And, and for all the the Javon Carter stands, I mean, we love him too. But as we said, Bud loves defense and Bud trusts Wesley Matthews and George Hill. So unless you know something happens or foul trouble or an injury, as good as Javon Carter has been and, and the boost that he's brought them, 
it's going to be tough for Javon Carter to find minutes once you get past the first round of the playoffs. Totally agree. Now, everyone should also check out the Locked On uh, NBA podcast, the national podcast. You can get all the new stuff. I'm sure they'll be talking Bucks and Nets after this game or previewing Bucks and Nets. I'm sure they'll be into it. Make sure you check it out after you're done with Locked On Bucks. Justin, let's wrap it up. Uh, so potentially a big night for the history of the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll see. Of course, you want to win the game first. But we know Giannis, if he's anywhere around the the high 20s heading into the fourth quarter and it's a close game, based on what we've seen all season long, I think people will be starting to think that it's very much within reach. Well, what if, uh, and under this scenario, it's not a close game. The Bucs are are ahead comfortably, but Giannis is at 38 points for the game and he gets fouled and goes to the line. You have to miss both, right? So you can break the record at home in front of the uh, Milwaukee fans. Yeah, I mean, typically I think that Bud and everyone is aware in a game st- statistically yeah. where he's at for a triple-double. I'm not 100% sure. Giannis probably knows. He probably knows. I mean, he would never admit that he knows, but he probably right. knows where he's at. I don't know if Bud does. <laughs> I, I, don't know if, I don't know if Bud's keeping track of the franchise scoring leaders. Maybe he is. Maybe I should give him more credit. Well, Thanasis definitely knows, and people have been in communication with Thanasis, and he's the one that's telling Giannis when he comes to the bench, like, hey, you're four points away. Well, I mean, Thanasis, that's that's exactly what we expect from him on the bench. He's in tune with everything going on with his team, not just Giannis. So uh, we'll see. Uh, Nick Monroe, our friend, uh, I know that he will absolutely have the social media content ready to roll if it happens tomorrow night, but we'll see. If not, it'll happen at home which everyone's going to be excited about as well. But it's going to be a fun couple of days. We'll be back after Bucks and Nets tomorrow. Make sure you check out that post-game pod that's now. For Justin and myself, we'll leave it there. Catch you guys tomorrow.